This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm teaming up with the website Rewire.News to explore the intersection of their work and mine on a brand new podcast called Get It Right. On Get It Right, we explore pop culture through the lens of justice, and particularly reproductive justice. I'll be talking to critics and creators about comics, movies, TV, music, anything is fair game. You can find it now on iTunes or Stitcher to search for Get It Right or Rewire. Give it a listen and drop us a review with any ideas for what you'd like to hear us cover. See you soon. Confabulation is a new convention from the people who brought you 10 great years of WinCon. We're by the fans and for the fans, so there's no celebrity guests or long autograph lines. Just fan-run content about the things you want to talk about. Join us in Pittsburgh, May 25th through 28th, for a weekend of friends and fandom. Get more info at confabcon.com or our Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook pages at confabcon. Hope to see you in Pittsburgh. Hi, this is Anika Noni Rose, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Van Jones with Yes We Code. You are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Francesca Ramsey, but everyone online knows me as Cheska Lee, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and it's dope. My name is Felicia D. Henderson. I'm the co-creator of BT's The Quad, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is LaToya Morgan. I am a writer on Into the Badlands, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Lisa Joyce from Insecure, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Idris Elba, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Jenny Ellis from HBO's Insecure, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. segments. In our first segment, Jacqueline sits down on a one-on-one with the cast and crew of the movie The Big Sick, which premiered over at South By. This features Emily V. Gordon and Kamali Nagiani, both a real-life husband and wife team working on this film. In our second segment, 
we do a roundtable interview. This is featuring Kendall. She sits down with Ridley Scott, Katherine Watterson, and Danny McBride to talk about Alien as well as Alien Covenant coming soon to a theater near you. In our third segment, we do a live podcast over at South Five, and this was an incredibly exciting opportunity for us. And it was great to just be able to interact with the fans and see them as we are live doing this very podcast. So in this podcast, it is hosted by yours truly, Jacqueline, and Kendall. All three of us had a fantastic time over at South By, and we introduced a celebrity guest, none other than Lindy Greenwood, actress from the TV series Sleepy Hollow. She plays the role of Jenny Mills. So we talk very briefly about Sleepy Hollow, but most importantly, we talk about why she came to South By, and we spend a lot of time geeking out with her over her favorite fandoms. So that's our show. It's the South by Southwest show. I guess it should have been given that title instead. But if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see a lot of our video content from the South by Southwest conference. So check out our YouTube channel, BGN TV, for our red carpet coverage. This features movies such as Gemini, Atomic Blonde, Free Fire, Baby Driver, and the Netflix series, Dear White People. And there's also a one-on-one -on -one interview that I have with rapper Warren G., and also director Karim Gilliam in the new documentary called G-Funk. Thanks again for your support of Black Girl Nerds. We ask that you always continue to support us, not only through social media, sharing, and also spreading the word, but we also ask for your help on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash blackgirlnerds, you can see our Patreon account and donate what you can. All of these monies help go to fund us for trips to go to Austin, also to cover other events throughout the year. We plan to go to San Diego, New York, and many more cities to do coverage of everything that's under the pop culture umbrella of nerddom. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 108, The Big Sick, Alien, and BGN Live at South by Southwest. Enjoy. Based on the real-life courtship between Kamal Najiani and Emily V. Gordon, The Big Sick tells the story of Pakistan-born aspiring comedian Kamal, who connects with grad student Emily after one of his stand-up sets. However, what they thought would be just a one-night stand blossoms into something real, which complicates the life that is expected of Kamal by his traditional Muslim parents. So it's South by Southwest, guys, and we are sitting down with a filmmaker who I'm really excited to chat with because they have this great film that is uh, having its second showing here at South by Southwest, The Big Sick. I have the husband and wife filmmakers behind that, Emily and Kamal. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, I wanted to go ahead and say you guys premiered at Sundance, and now you're here at South by Southwest. How different is it seeing it with this audience compared to seeing it uh, when you guys premiered it in Utah? I'm w I'm way less nervous. Because <laughs> at Sundance we were like, you know, the first like, time anybody had seen it. Yeah, and it was gonna get all these reviews and stuff. So I was way more nervous for that. And then after sitting through a bunch of Sundance screening, this one I was like less nervous, and I was just excited for people to see it. I also feel like the South by audience is a very, very, very comedy friendly audience. 
Um, and so I feel like the movie was getting laughs in places that it didn't get in Sundance. I mean, it, obviously. I thought it did great at Sundance. It did great at Sundance. So we were getting new laughs in places I hadn't heard before because I feel like we have a lot of uh, fun comedy people in Austin um, who are really kind of here to, like, love the movie, which was great. Yeah, I've heard a lot of comedians say that, that this is a good comedy town. So I can definitely attest to the fact that I'm sure you guys had um, a good crowd as far as people laughing and enjoying the film. Did you, what were you most surprised at when you saw it with the South by audience? Was there a spot, and obviously no spoilers, so we'll try, but was there a spot that you were really surprised that they, like, giggled about? You know, honestly, I, for me, I felt like it played, you know, it always, it's great that the audience loves it and they're laughing so much. It always bugs me when they're laughing and they can't hear a line. Um, but I just, um, I like hearing my favorite parts are actually when people go like, oh no, or, or, oh shit, or something like that. Like when, you know, certain things happen and they have an emotional response to it and you can hear people like gasping and stuff in certain parts. And yeah, there's a part where two male parents walk in the room and I can hear people going, oh, yeah, yeah, no spoilers, (laughs) be careful, be careful. Um, those are the parts that are really exciting to me. Yeah, it's really funny. I was going to talk to you guys. Well, first, let's talk about the film itself. Um, for those of you that don't know, I guess, could you guys give me maybe, because um, I saw it, I have a weird story behind me seeing it. I saw half of it Sundance, and I saw half of it here in Austin. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> Which half, half or different half? Yeah, did, well, I had to, so I missed the first, like, 30 minutes of it due to the fact that it's Sundance and snow and I was just a crazy like like Texas girl and did not take into account how long snow takes to get around <laughs> and so I missed the first 35 minutes but I saw it uh yesterday the first part so I caught I, I've seen it all together now but yeah it was it was a little bit difficult in um Park City for me to move around but can you give folks a little um tagline of the film and kind of describe the the plot a little bit for him. I would say that it's a couple uh, that falls in love, and both of them have their own complications. Uh, one of them has medical complications, the other one has cultural complications, and it's the two of them trying to figure out how to, how to navigate those complications um, and whether or not their love is worth it. Wow, that is so succinct and awesome. I, I can tell y'all. Trying. It's, been, it's been so hard to not be like, okay, and then this happened, and then this happened. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's the most distinct version I have. Do you have any more distinct? All right. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you can tell you guys wrote it, which um, obviously this is um, auto, semi-biographical um, about you guys' courtship, which I think mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing. Um, moreover, too, you know, an interracial couple, but more it wasn't about that as the dynamic. Your relationship and the things that happen around you are way more, I would say, the focus points than the fact that, hey, this is a – this is a Pakistani-American guy and, a, and a, you know, a girl from the South. Like, that's a part of your story. I, I love that. I love that that was – because as a, as, a, as a black female myself, you know, you want to feel like an everyman, right? And I loved how the story felt that way. Um, oh, that's, oh, thank, thank you. you for saying that. And one of the things that this, it's very easy for this movie to get reduced to is like a culture clash comedy and yeah as you said it's just one aspect of the movie there's a lot in it and that's one of the things but it can be very easy to classify it as that so so thank you for saying that and even though i like those scenes in other movies the one thing i didn't want in our movie is like emily trying some pakistani food and being like oh it's so spicy i didn't want that (laughs) no and 
I think you guys played it really great. Again, you could tell you guys have been together because what is it? Y'all have been together 10 years now, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it really shows both um, your love of the material and obviously your relationship with each other. I thought it was really great. And then when I found out, like, because forgive me, I didn't know you guys were a couple before I saw the film, and I was like, oh, my God, this was like, how is that writing with each other? Because I, I get in fights with my roommate about dishes. I can't imagine being like, let's create this movie together. <laughs> Um, uh, that's, that's great that you didn't know. That's a good, like, that makes barometer. Us happy. Yeah, because yeah. most people won't know. Yeah. People won't know. Um, we had, I thought we'd worked together before. This is the first thing, first time we wrote together. But it was really, really helpful, obviously, to be on the same page, like, emotionally. Um, and Literally. obviously we had some disagreements. But we were pretty um, in lockstep about the kind of movie we wanted to make and uh, the tone we wanted to hit, and what the movie was going to be about and what was going to be important in the movie. So um, I felt like we were pretty, um, yeah, we were simpatico in that stuff. Yeah, I think if we had not worked together before, because we'd worked out our working relationship pretty well over the years, so if we hadn't had that worked out, working out a working relationship and then working out a writing relationship might have been, I think, uh, a bit complicated. But as it was, we just had to work out our writing relationship. And we are pretty similar. Um, so we would just, you know, we would divide up scenes. Each of us would write the scenes, and then we would trade them off, and the other person could kind of rewrite. Um, and then if we disagreed, we would talk about it. But it was usually it was pretty pretty good. It was a pretty good system. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, too, was there anything during the writing process that you guys found out about your courtship with each other that maybe – the other one Absolutely. you kept from. <laughs> there were certain things, certain events that I remember differently than she remembers and where like different things were important to her or different things were important to me. And it was interesting to see that through the writing. Like I would see her write a scene and be like, oh, that's how it was from your perspective. And I think that really helped us have both perspectives in there. Absolutely. You know, Emily's side and uh, my side equally. I think it helps make Emily feel more like a full person, even though she's asleep for a good part of the movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. also going to be yeah. the tricky thing with this movie, is that the, one of the leads of the movie is asleep for half the movie, so you really, really have to make sure that... She's, she's represented, a, yeah. She's represented as a full character with a with a very defined point of view. Yeah, and I feel like I don't even say too much of that because I feel like there's so much of that that moment when you kind of the, the I guess the narrative shifts into this like okay these two people are trying to fight for their existence physically like I feel like I don't want to tell too much about that but I will say Emily you've become a huge advocate for um, this rare disease that you have Bill's disease and how important was it to get the medical part of it right when you were writing this because I would imagine. You, it was important, I, I would imagine. Yeah, it was It was super important to me because I do feel like uh, it's easy to kind of have a character just, like, cough and just and then the next thing you know they're under and then it's like, oh, we fixed her. It's so funny that you say that we had so many conversations. Like, but, we see her cough at, in the movie before this, <laughs> and we decided not to have that. We decided to have... You know, it's just a thing that's always in yeah. movies. Like, someone coughs in a movie. They're dead. They're dying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's, uh, it is a... And it's a you know, it's a thing that I kind of still live with, and, and I it, it was important to me to have that kind of represented um, as being like a, a everybody's kind of got their stuff. And the more after the movie, I've talked to more and more people that are like they have their own kind of rare conditions and they've had to have weirdo medical stuff. But for the most part, medical stuff isn't cut and dried and clean. So I think we kind of wanted to represent that too and that the doctors are just doing their best 
like day in and day out to like, oh, she's doing okay today. Well, I know I said she was doing okay yesterday, but today she's not doing as well. That's actually yeah. how it goes. Um, yeah. And I think that was kind of important to represent too. And the other thing was we had to figure out like how much of the medical stuff should be in the movie. Like, you know, it's obviously not the reason that the movie exists. It's more about the people and the relationship. But how much of the medical stuff do we put in there so that people know where they are with the medical mystery angle and how much of it gets too much? When, when is it too boring to just hear doctors talking about? So we there's a there were actually a couple more doctor scenes that we cut out because yeah. we realized that we didn't need them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I felt that the medical part of it was actually very accurate as um, as a younger person that's taking care of an older parent um, through some medical issues. I felt like that was actually very true. Um, and I was, like, thinking to myself, because that's that same emotion. It's like you don't kind of know what to do. And it's even more exacerbated when you're dating someone because it's like, okay, I'm her kid. Like, I'm allowed to be in the room no matter what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved those moments where, um, you know, you felt like he didn't know if he should be in the room, but he he wanted to be. I loved that. I really did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you don't have like legal status, it's a, it's a kind of a weird thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you guys about, because I do follow both of you guys um, on Twitter, and I've noticed that, you know, this story, you guys created it. And I love that, you know, with with a film like this and with television shows like Masters of None, I feel like more voices are getting out there because these these um, creators of color are saying, like, you know, screw it, I'll make it, right? Like, if I can't, you know, do yeah. it or fresh off the boat and all of these expanding different forms of media and, more importantly, being with Asian and Middle Asian um, characters, have you noticed that now you feel like is it still the same where I saw you talking the other day about, you know, the casting stuff from um Oh yeah from before. Yeah, how is it is it gotten better or do you feel like if you want it to be the right way you still have to create it? I think it has gotten a lot better. I mean you could see that some of the stuff that Cal tweeted, you're like, I don't think that would fly today. However, there is still a long way to go, and I do think, you know, I don't think I would have been, like, the lead of a movie if I hadn't written it myself. Like, it's still really, really hard for us because, like, we had a friend recently tell us, he's, like, he's Hispanic, mm. and the channel was, like, we already have a Hispanic show. You would never be, like, we, we already have, have a white, white show. show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, no. <laughs> still think that there's a sense that there's a quota of number of people of color that once you meet that, all right, we've done that. We don't need it anymore. I think there's still not as, it's not as easy to have the actual points of view of minorities represented in movies and TV. Sometimes a lot of times it'll be like a character written for a white person who then a black person plays. And that's kind of it. You don't really hear so much about it. That's why I love, like, Get Out so much, you know. I, I feel yes. like for a lot of people, Emily was saying this too, I think for a lot of white people, they understood what it felt like a little bit to be a minority or or at least understand that. Or being, empathize with being, yeah, yeah if they didn't. Or yeah. understand that, like, being a minority is fundamentally different than being white in America. Yes. Um, I love that movie for that. We actually, um, the episode right before our, our Sundance, ep- or sorry, South By episode is Jordan Peele, and we talked to him Ooh. about that. Yeah, we just had him on. Yeah, and I just, I love that these stories are getting told, but 
I just, like you said, I, I don't want to, I hate to say this, but I'm like, none of y'all are getting a pass because even <laughs> if they all of a sudden cast every movie blacker than Black Panther, we still got a long way to go. So yeah, I don't, what, you know. Yeah. What, what <laughs> get out is, uh, they're also showing that people want to hear these stories too. And it's yeah, not, 100 like, million, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's not just that they're representing new points of view. There is a hunger for people to hear these other points of view as well. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say, well, this actually brings me to a nice sum up, which is, you guys, uh, congratulations on the film um, and the distribution deal. I know that that's like a hard thing, too, is deciding what kind of place to go. You guys are in a great position that people were really hungry to tell it. How did you make the decision um, to finally choose um, to go with Amazon, like, as opposed to some other venues, or what was part of that process? Well, well I, I will say it's a little bit, it ends up being people kind of over our heads that uh, ended up having the meetings. But what we kind of saw was that Amazon really cared about the movie and wanted to make sure that uh, it got to as many people as it possibly could. And they seemed to really get the movie, too. Yeah, and we, you know, as Emily said, it wasn't our decision, but we loved that we're with Amazon. Our thing was we wanted this movie to come out in theaters because I feel like this is a movie that you should watch with a bunch of different types of people in a theater. Um, and so I'm glad that that's happening. For me, that yeah. was the most important thing. And I hope, I hope you know, people go see this movie in the theater because much like Get Out, I think it's it's better as a communal experience. I saw Get Out in the theater by myself, and it was just a No, glorious. there were other people there. I mean, no, yeah, not. I was alone. I wasn't with anyone. You, you were there, right? You were with a lot of people. But I, I was with tons of people, but I didn't know anyone I was sitting with, and it was a really great experience to kind of just take in other people taking in the movie. So I want that. I want that for our movie, too. And I think you guys will get it. Again, I can't say uh, thanks enough, and I really appreciate you guys doing this over the phone with me, and um, best of luck. I hope you guys get to enjoy Austin. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, get some tacos. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Bye-bye. Our next segment is a roundtable interview featuring Kendall and the cast and crew of Alien, along with a quick discussion of Alien Covenant. This segment features Ridley Scott, Katherine Watterson, and Danny McBride. So, Katherine, I um, want to know specifically, <laughs> how do you feel about the representation of women in science fiction and fantasy films or how that has changed over time? <laughs> well, we were talking about this earlier, you know, all it takes for any change to happen is a few people who have a lot of power to have the guts to show something in a new way. And that was just a couple of people in a room together putting together the first alien. There's a script, Ripley's a dude. And they say, what, what do we put a woman in the part? And they say, yeah, why not? Rather than, I don't know, will this work? Maybe not. Can a woman do it? And all this bullshit oh, shit, questions yeah. that in probably a lot of rooms all around Hollywood ended in them not going for it. You know, like the, the people yeah. that didn't have the courage. So then somebody has the courage and it changes the shape of the business. And obviously, because it sells tickets. It has, these things have to succeed for it to continue. Sure. But... I think with Alien, you, obviously you changed the yeah. the look of science fiction. It's also giving women parts that aren't just playing the girlfriend or the wife. The person or, in the damsel yeah. in distress. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly, damsel in distress. Uh, but you've made that 
a part of the franchise because there's Sigourney and Winona and uh, Numi and, and now Catherine. What made you want to center this franchise so, so firmly around women? Well, the first one did so well. Why change oh. again? <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Okay, sorry. Yeah. My favorite word is duh. I like beavers and buttheads. Fucking great. <laughs> they're the best rock critics ever. They're the best music critics ever. They really they're great. Beavers and butthead are critics? Well, they're the best music critics, so they just boil it down to this sucks or this doesn't oh, suck. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of that. It's it like, sucks. That's all you need. It doesn't suck. Yeah. Okay, go. I thought that they had like an ongoing, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like a radio show. <laughs> Danny, did you get to pick out your uh, awesome hat? Well, you know that was uh, that was that was one of uh, Ridley's ideas from the get go. We, we talked about it being like an homage to uh, Slim Pickens and Doctor Strangelove, uh, and so yeah, it was he, he was easily embraced. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> then it became the signs of when he's wearing it and when he's not. You know yeah. how stressed out he is. Or, <laughs> you measure the stress yeah. level. The hat comes off. <laughs> yeah, when you do shit like that, you start thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't have the hat. <laughs> it works out really well. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Is Slim Pickens from Austin? <clears throat> you remember Slim Pickens? Anyone know who Slim Pickens was? Are you kidding me? Yeah, but we just don't know where he's from. Relax. <laughs> I'm looking it up. He was the pilot, the B-29 pilot in the string club. Mm-hmm. At the cowboy. He rode the bomb down. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> is there any truth to the rumor that Catherine's character is connected to Ripley? Who started Sorry? that shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great answer. I've been going around telling people that. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I ask is that like it came from a site that has been pretty consistent in their reporting. I don't know really? where they're actually getting their called? stuff from. WikiLeaks. It's like some fan site, like a huge <laughs> predator fan site. It's crazy, and I'm always like wary. Oh, they like, usually are right. But they've been kind of right, right, so that's the only reason I ask. Yeah. What was the question? Is <laughs> there any truth to the rumor that Catherine's character is connected to Ripley? No. No? No Oh, that was probably way back when. Mm-hmm. Should she be the daughter of Ripley? said, no. It's very Hollywood, that, no. Daughter, father, mother. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. She's herself. You're right. He was born in Texas, but it doesn't say where. Yeah. I think he did a lot of John Ford movies. Uh, did he? Was he in The Searchers? Very, very young man. Slim Pickens and there was that other guy who was in The Searchers. And they were all real cowboys, and um, just got the movie. John Wayne. Danny, quick question. Uh, Tennessee, where did you draw your inspiration from? Or did you just like, you know what, let's do something brand new? Well, you know, on the ship, it's a lot of scientists and, uh, you know, and I I like the idea that, you know, in that original, it was kind of like you had like working class people. And so I think that that was sort of his dynamic with him is that he was a little more working class. He He doesn't, you know, and he's paired up with all these scientists and brilliant people so it was sort of like trying to figure out how you would kind of operate in that world something advanced like that but still kind of bring a little salt of the earth to it as well yeah I saw the clip that got released and like I love what I saw I'm like oh, I can't wait to see the rest of it oh good oh, good hey <laughs> 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 how tempting is it at this point in the process to just show Covenant tonight <laughs> <laughs> 
And the original alien shouldn't die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, but you could. You could. But I don't you think you have that power. That would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> What? Is it different? What does it take for a film to be scary today? You know, it's the hardest thing to do. I think it's a lot easier to make people smile. Oh, yeah. You're, what you do is easy. I'm sitting with <laughs> one guy in the room and saying, yeah, sure. Um, but in a funny kind of way, people tend to... I think we've been challenged by so much violence, super violence, like Saw 13 and Crescent of Wales, where you get so numb to blood and numb to brutality and numb to inhuman behavior, which they put out the pretext of entertainment. And it's so people get hardened to it. You get a five year old seen Saw 4, you know, and it's like, whatever, that's boring. So um, <laughs> it's hard, and therefore, way back when I was sitting there doing it, I was going to do Alien. <clears throat> And I think at that moment in time, there were two pretty, one really serious one that scared the hell out of me, and I would be then. I was 14 before I did my first movie. And I'm sitting there in a room in Fox, screening films, and I'm screening The Exorcist again. Exorcist is a perfect engine of one, Exorcist one. It's a fantastic film, and it was mainly because it kind of feels logical, feels possible. And when it's possible and logical, it's always scarier. Built around terrific characters. Max von Sydow, Jason Miller, and a great actress, fantastic actress. Um, and so that was one. Then uh, I then looked at, I thought, shit, this is going to be difficult. Then there was Omen 1, which was a pretty good film. Omen 1, Gregory Peck. That year. Oh, yeah, the yeah. original. Yeah, 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 the original. Um, that was quite yeah. clever and scary. These are all clever and scary. And then I thought, I better look at some hardcore thing. I'd always resisted seeing a film because of its poster. <clears throat> because it had a guy with a pig's head on him and a saw. I'd never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper. And so I sat in the room one afternoon. <clears throat> Watch Texas. Anyone ever seen Texas? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that is hardcore. And I sat there thinking, he's not going to do that, and he does. And so that's hard to do. Um, so making horror, scary films. You think that's a brilliant movie, right? It, it is a brilliant movie. It's, yeah. it's like he goes O T T, and then again he goes O T T, and it ends on a girl running down the road, covered in blood and demented. End of the movie. Not happy ending. But it's, <laughs> it's a great movie. That would have been a good tagline. So it's, it's hard. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a happy ending. <laughs> 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 All right, thank you guys. Have a great time here. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Our final segment is our live podcast from South By featuring actress Lindy Greenwood. And just a quick production note. You may have to turn up your volume on this segment. Our Zoom mic was just a little bit further from the stage where we would want it to be, so the audio is a little bit lower than normal. So do apologize for that. Enjoy. Thank you guys so much for being here for our live Black Girl Nerds podcast here at South by Southwest. 
Thank you guys so much for coming on. Give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, this is our second time doing a live podcast, so it's, it's really fun to be able to do these and see the folks here um, as we're doing our favorite things, talking about just geeky topics. And we're going to talk a little bit first about our experience here at South By, and then we're going to invite our special celebrity guest on the show. Um, but before I get started, let's do some introductions. Uh, we'll start with Kendall, Jacqueline, and then I'll tell you a little bit about myself, and then we're going to chat about South By real quick. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Kendall Wilson. I am a uh, contributing writer and editor for Black Girl Nerds. This is my first time at South By um, coming at press, but living in Texas all of my life, I've come to South By plenty of times, so it's just ha I'm just really happy to be here and talk to you all today. All right, hey y'all, I'm Jacqueline. I'm a producer and contributing writer for Black Girl Nerds, and this is my ooh, 12th South By over 15 years. I live here in Austin, and uh, it is literally my favorite time of year. Anyone who knows me knows that, um, and I'm so happy to be here. And I'm Jamie Broadnack, managing editor and founder of BlackGirlNerds.com, and host of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. You probably have seen me at a con near you somewhere between the West Coast at San Diego or the East Coast at New York Comic Con. And in addition to the work with, that I do with BGN, I'm also a podcaster on Rewire Radio called Get It Right. It's about the intersection of reproductive justice and social justice issues. And also coming up next year, which is super exciting, um, I will be launching Universal Fan Con. So if you're going to be in Baltimore in April, the 27th through the 29th, whoop, whoop, <laughs> um, come on out to uh, Universal FanCon. We've got some really great special guests. Orlando Jones, who's here to promote American Gods, who will be a featured guest. And uh, we're really excited to put this together. It's a con that's designed for being inclusive and includes people of color, women, LGBTQ, and people with disabilities. So we're really excited to, to put on this con for you guys. So check that out. Um, so, let's get started on our show. We're going to talk about South By first, just kind of our experiences. As you can see here, uh, we've got some photos that we've taken throughout the week, and that's just like a small sample. That's not even a small <laughs> sample. I was like, I was like, it's a very quick small sample, but we got some on there. We got some gems. Yeah, we, we do. Some really good gems we got there. John Hamm with his bonds off that on is there. The gem. <laughs> that is the gem. Yes. Well, let's talk about John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how much finer he is in person. I didn't Girl. think that was possible. Girl. But let's it, talk yeah. About it. He yeah. really is though. Like. You don't, like, Don Draper's cool or whatever, but in person, it's just like, like, you hear like, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and he called himself a black girl nerd. He called himself a black girl nerd. So, you know, when you're on the red carpet, you, you announce your outlet and your name, and I said, this is Jamie with Black Girl Nerds, and can you kind of tell us about the role that you're playing in, in Baby Driver? That's the film that he was presenting. And he's like, well, I play a black girl nerd. And we were like, good. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was he was really cool on the red carpet, very gracious, and shook my hand afterwards. Um, but that wasn't the the highlight. Actually, the highlight was John Cho. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which you got to do by yourself. Yeah, which we, we ain't gonna talk about that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's salty. That's yeah. hard to do camera and audio at the same time. But John Cho's presenting his film Gemini here, and when he walked on the red carpet. 
and I introduced Jamie's Black Girl Nerds, and he's like, oh yeah, I love the work that you guys do on social media. I was like, oh my God, you know who we are. <laughs> so definitely had a fangirl moment uh, with John Cho, and he just said that I really appreciate you know the inclusivity and the diversity that you guys promote. So. You know, folks are seeing seeing what we're doing out here in these Twitter streets. Yeah, I mean, not only that, just being out here, it's really funny. There's like three reactions when folks, you know, hear that you're from BGM. They're like, oh, okay, I didn't know about that. What are you about? Or they're like, I think I've heard of that. And then like more often than not, what's coming up now, it's like the like, you're real. I can <laughs> see you because they either follow us on Twitter or we're sitting in American Gods and the girl had seen the La La Land article, which if you guys haven't seen it, um, we had some thoughts on La La Land, and it was, I have to give it up for Valerie Complex, our contributor, for writing it so early on, because she was one of the first people to call out some of the narrative problems in that, and it was huge for the site. And this, like, uh, filmmaker sitting next to us at the American Gods premiere who, like, runs a film club, she's like, yeah, I heard what y'all said about that, and it was, like, one of the first ones where I was like, yeah, and I was like, that's crazy, you know, so... Yeah. Our name's getting out there, and it's crazy to see it here. It, it really is. And then uh, had a blast. The photos aren't up there now, but had a blast yesterday interviewing the cast of Dear White People, which they're an incredibly fun cast, and you guys should check it out when it comes on Netflix. Uh, they did some really good work behind that series. And I just want to take a, a quick second and talk to you all about American Gods, just to let you all know it's edge snatching. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to want to check that show out. Especially sure. the premiere. There's a moment in the premiere that you, and I'm not going to give it away because it's right. such a moment, but you're going to definitely be like, that may be the first time I've seen that on television, and I don't think they'll be able to top it. It was so, yeah. Yeah, you are going to want to check that out for yeah. sure. And that cast is great, too. We did their red carpet. Um, yeah. We've done a lot. You know, we got to sit down with the cast of Fits and Starts. That's why it's an act. And the... Lady who wrote "Hello, My Name Is Doris." Um, we were on a panel. We did a "What Is a Blurred?" Yes, the very first day. NBC Blast. Yeah. Yeah, with Comcast. And then like meeting other nerds and geeks from the community here, like Dorian from Geek Geeks of Color yes. here, as accredited press. Um, because I mean, we love it being here, but a lot of times we're the only black face on the carpet, or maybe the only black face that's doing um, maybe an interview, and that's. Yeah. That's great that we're there, we're happy to be there, but we'd love to see more diverse faces. I mean, when there's another black person there, we're like, oh, she's the only one. <laughs> 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 Let's go talk to her. <laughs> you know, and um, it, it, I mean, it says, it's, it's great, and it's not that, you know, the dear white people, this is almost a 90% all black cast, and we're still the only black person. Yeah, I'm the only black person on the red carpet for dear white people, which is just crazy, right? Yeah. So, um, it's just good, though, that we're having these opportunity to do these press-accredited con conferences and seeing other folks like Geeks of Color, and, and I hope to see more, uh, mm -hmm. because it just goes to show, if you are out there just ready to create your own content, whether you're a blogger, podcaster, YouTuber, um, you can get these opportunities to have a platform and share it with a large group of people at a conference. Because at that NBC Black panel with What's a Blur, we had Evelyn from the Internet mm -hmm. with us, and she's done so much great work on just YouTube alone creating content. Yeah. So. And then Pretty Brown and Nerdy, having uh, one-third of Pretty Brown and Nerdy, not the whole group there. But, yeah, and it's, it's really 
dope too because I've, I've always said like I feel like this blurred community is unique in the sense that it is very much about promotion of others there isn't this whole thing to think like oh hey well if there's another black outlet that's nerdy we're not going to be able to have our space like it's just not like that it's very much like the more they do the more we all do right, right exactly. and, and that's not always the case in every community because there is a lot of maybe cannibalism and so some folks be like nah you're going to take my sunshine but I don't feel that in this community and it's so great um, with every person you chat with you feel that well, any other last final moments about South By? Um, South By has been great for the food and the drink. Um, <laughs> I'm a Can we talk about that for yeah, just a quick minute? Because I'm a person that likes to carry my flask around. So I definitely have this little flask, which is just like a camera, real low key. And I have some rum in it. And I rarely have to use it because I can't get any free drinks. And I'm like, I don't need to be using my flask. Yeah. You know? I mean, no, which you is great. much free alcohol at yeah. the conference. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that was, <laughs> the edge off too, so just a little bit, but. It's a unique conference in that, because you can stumble into, oh, Lord. Um, you can stumble into free food and drinks pretty much anywhere. And more importantly, though, sort of like where we were yesterday, then you get to meet folks that you're like, oh, hey, we were at a, um, an event yesterday at the Capital Factory, and these two guys who are video game makers were there, and we started chatting with them about the site. Turns out they do stuff for the Daily Dot, and like that's why people come. Is you, the networking, networking is a huge part of it, um, and the fun stuff like going to see, you know, films. Um, I almost forgot though. I have to mention this. I saw Stranger Fruit mm -hmm. on Sunday, and that had me shook. Um, I don't know if y'all know, but that is the Mike Brown documentary that has just come out, where they've released this new footage that basically really about it um it changes the narrative that they attempted to put out to discredit him during that whole ordeal and it's just like you just you feel this moment when you're watching it where you're just like man they really tried and almost got away with it if yeah. it wasn't for this filmmaker going back and checking the tapes and i highly advise everyone to stop down for that film we've seen some great stuff baby yeah. driver's great american gods is great but Stranger Fruit is like literally changing the game. And I wasn't at the premiere, I was at the second screening, but they had Mike Brown's family at the premiere and apparently there was just not a dry eye in the house because it's just such an emotional story, but also so true. And it's not just a documentary that tells a story. I mean, it, it tells new things that we didn't even know. And I thought I knew everything about that from just you know reading about it when it happened. So yeah, check that one out. I think they have about two more showings of that. And this year, no matter what badge you have, you can get into everything. So you can catch a film screening if you have an interactive badge. So I highly, highly, highly recommend you go check that one out. Yeah, I also saw G-Funk as the documentary featuring Warren G and produced and co-written by him and got a chance to interview Warren G. I was just like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Um, so that's a really good documentary if you want to check that out. I learned a lot. It's basically about the um, subgenre of hip-hop called G-Funk, and it's based on a lot of influences from the P-Funk, um, uh, P-Funk, yeah, P-Funk era, like George Clinton, those folks. So yeah, I just I learned a lot about uh, how that worked, and even he was talking about the East Coast, West Coast wars and hip-hop during that time, and 
how Suge Knight shut him out of death row, um, which I did not know about that. So that was a good documentary to check out. And then I also saw Small Town Crime, which is uh, produced by Octavia Spencer. So uh, there's just some really great films here at South By. It was some good stuff. There was some duds for me. There were a few that were good. <laughs> Give us a little bit of a 
backstory about what the show's about and also what your character Jenny Mills is up to this season. <sighs> yeah, sure. It's been, um, it's been, we're in our fourth season, so there's been a lot that's happened. Um, and uh, forgive me, I'm a little discombobulated. I just got off a plane and I'm and you're a trooper for being here for that. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say, I was like, you just got here, and I thank you. No, no, it's, not, it's my pleasure, but um, forgive me if I stumble a little. But uh, so uh, we all go to Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman, Ichabod Crane. In our TV series, Ichabod Crane wakes up 250 years uh, in the future, which is our time, and uh, lands in Sleepy Hollow and meets Abigail Mills, who's the detective there, and they have to, they basically band together to stop the impending apocalypse. Yes, absolutely. Well. And what's what's Jenny been up to this season? Because she's just been going through so much from one season to the you next. Know, right? They really went through a break. Um, <laughs> she, this season uh, has been a lot about Jenny teaching um, the new witness how to be a witness. Um, Jenny's sort of this um, kind of mama bear figure that we've never seen before. You know, after we don't, swimmers are fine, right? Like oh yes, yeah. okay. sure. So, you know, Abby died in season three, and right. so uh, <gasps> still getting over that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a hard one. Sorry, R.I.P. Abby. And um, so they have to. I mean, it's all about two witnesses. So they brought in a new witness, and Jenny obviously uh, knows a lot about witnessdom through seeing her sister go through it, and basically impart some of her knowledge on this new character and helps, you know, in the fight that she's been fighting for all these years since they were little children and saw the demon in the woods. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you're here for the Interactive Innovation Tech Awards. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what drew you out to South Park? Um, well, I've never been to South Park, so I thought it was really? a great opportunity. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm from Canada uh, and I was in Austin last year, but it wasn't when they asked me to host. Janina Gavinkar, who's the, the uh, lead on our show now, and I are kind of twins, and we're like, I have no idea what it's going to entail. I'm really <laughs> but I've been looking through all of the contenders, and it's amazing stuff, like medical innovations. And I studied science in university, so I'm kind of like really excited to, to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. um, also terrified. Some of the stuff that we can do nowadays is, um, is scary. Yeah, yeah. Black yeah. Mirror has told us about that a little bit. Yeah, we actually yeah. went to the mixer for them last night. That was the Innovation Awards, and it's all of the finalists. Uh -huh. um, they kind of had this little mixer for them together, and we we saw that. And I just I talked to like one person about what they were doing, and I was just like, I'm a fairly educated person. I didn't stop. Like I don't even know how you thought of this idea, let alone created it. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. Any advice for, for Lindy on South by? Because this is her first time. Yeah, help me out. I feel a little overwhelmed. <laughs> like, there's so much. How do you even organize your, your day or your thoughts and everything? Yeah, overwhelmed is usually the first thought people have when they think about South by. As much as I love it, I do know it's kind of difficult to approach. Um, but if you go to blackgirlmoves.com, there's actually a guide <laughs> to how to get the most out of South by Southwest. But um, depending on how long you're here for, are you here for at least a day or two? Yeah, I actually leave Friday night. Great. Okay. So you will be able to catch uh, as many screenings as you would like, I'm, I'm sure. And I would say get lost a little bit. Mm -hmm. A lot of the hotel bars are great for just kind of mingling and just being there and great people watching. 
Um, one of my favorite spots is the bar of the drink bowl. It's um, got a lot of couches like this, and but it's not necessarily people sitting around the bar. The bar is actually very small, but it's surrounded by a bunch of couches and is old often. So it's not so much of the scene you seeing people. It's much more about people, and they have a live band usually cool. every night. Um, and pretty much every venue is going to be featuring some kind of showcase. Um, so I would check to see if an artist that you like is going to be here because most of the time when artists come here, they play about five or six showcases. Yeah, because they can. A lot of times it's about them getting their name out. And so because of that, you can maybe catch them at different places. Um, if you can't catch the first showing, catch the second. Um, but yeah, the, the South by website, you go on there, you can search by type of event and you can also search by the actual name. And I would just savor whatever you like. Um, mm -hmm. You can download that into your phone with an iPal download and then kind of build your day around what you want to see. But the fact that you're here mm -hmm. and you don't have that much maybe going on between the time you leave is like a gift. Well, no, maybe I you do. do. Actually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this one, my publicist, is jam-packed every single hour. Oh, <laughs> that's not fair. I feel bad that midnight showings. Midnight showings. some good weather. Yeah, the weather's really nice yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. It's so green here right now, but you were just saying it rained. Like it yeah, rained. it just did rain. So. Did I hear you say that you studied science? I did, like, yeah. So biology? Yeah, biology. Yeah, so how did you get into acting? Acting? Um, yeah. I, when I was just finishing up my bachelor's degree at the University of Toronto, I realized I didn't want to go on and do any more science. Um, and I had been studying martial arts for quite a while, and someone offered me a role in a short kung fu film, and I kind of realized from there, oh man, I want to act. And uh, I remember having to tell my dad, I was really nervous, because he helped me pay for my, my university degree. But I have to go to my dad and tell him, sorry, I don't want to do biology <laughs> anymore. I want to be an actor. And um, he just said to me, sweetheart, I always thought you should be an actor. Um, oh, wow. So he was very, very supportive. And um, when I was really young, I, I loved to sing. And um, so I think maybe that performance, I went to a school called Etobicoke School of the Arts for, for high school, and it really made me hate performing. And I, I stepped away from that and, and fell in love with math and science. And then it, I guess it, that performing drive was still there somewhere. So it turned out later in life. I'm curious, um, you know, your role on Sleepy Hollow can be very physically demanding at times. Do you do any of your own stunts since you said you've done martial arts? I mean, I, I do as much as I can. I love doing it. Um, <laughs> but we have very talented stunt doubles. So Neil Levy uh, is one of my dear, dearest friends. And um, Delamar, shoot, I forget her name. This year we cast someone else. Um, so they're going to be better at it than me. So they're like the longer, you know, wider shots, but definitely using them. But I try to do as much as I, when it comes down to fight scenes, yes, I'll do my stunts. Um, but they'll always be my own rubber stunt person. Yeah, because I mean, I could see you playing a superhero. <coughs> I was just about to say that. I was like, no, since we've got that martial arts thing going, <laughs> we are nerds. Let them know. Um, <laughs> and, we, and you said you are too, like you, you consider yourself a micro nerd. Um, is there anything in that? You know, world that you'd be like, yes, if they called me up, I'm for sure. Yeah, like. you want to play? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, so I just finished reading the entire Dark Tower series, oh, yes. uh, and I'm in love with Suzanne Dean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it's 
interesting, that would be such a fun role to play because she has a physical disability mm-hmm. or a hip um, but she's so strong mm-hmm. and physical at the same time. That's what I love about her is that like she's she's just so powerful um, with this disability. So that would be really fun to play. But I think they're looking at Naomi Harris, so I guess that's fine. I'll take Got that. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's so funny too because we live in this great moment where these like nerd stories that we've grown up in like are now getting adapted. Because imagine saying like, oh yeah, they're gonna do. A Misty Knight, like, no. I would have never thought that I'd look to the day to see that on any form of media, let alone um, on a television series. So, yeah, it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. So you said you have the next five days jam-packed. Anything fun on the calendar that you're looking forward to already that you know? Well, we're going to see the G-Funk documentary. Nice. Nice. Okay, good. Enjoy. And I actually didn't know too much about it until you gave your little there, so uh, that makes me even more excited because I love Fire Lake Funkadelic, and I kind of never really realized that that was an influence there. So mm-hmm. that's super cool. Um, uh, I don't know if you lost all. That I know we're looking forward to. Oh, we're going to see Wu Tang this month. Oh, oh yeah, oh, nice. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There. This is the thing with South by too. Like James was on the street with me yesterday. It's like you didn't tell me about this. I'm like I'm not the oracle. <laughs> And it is, a, like, it is so funny, too. Like, you have to, like, start your day. And I'm giving you this as advice, too. You know how far away things are? Because you'll be like, how far is this? Like, oh, yeah, but it's so not. It's, like, <laughs> 20 minutes later. And luckily, it's not hot right now. But normally, it is this time of year. It's already, like, gotten warm. Um, so, yeah. But if you haven't had it on your agenda yet, Torchy's Taco with the queso. I mean, he's very funny. I'm trying to 
Okay. He's ever actually harmed anyone. Okay. Is he very much Maybe like his character Ichabod? Is he just like <laughs> um, a gentleman, an, an Englishman? Uh, yeah, but he's very British. He's very, <laughs> like that is one hundred percent. He's very, very British, um, and he's got that sort of dry like. Uh, wit, except for when he gets tired, he's a very childish. Just like finding humor in a little more slapsticky thing than sort of normally would, like tripping people. Nobody's gotten hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, it was a little crazier when Orlando was around. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's a character. Yeah, he's a character, and he's just unabashedly himself. All of the time, and so you know, take it or leave it, which I love about him so much. And so on set, sometimes I don't have to wait a minute till he starts telling his jokes, and then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll get it done. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I was just gonna say you should have seen the outfit he came in for an American Gods premiere. I think it's shown it was Bugsy. Oh, it's Him and Fuller were just like Brian Fuller, the yeah. creator. Yeah. We're just decked out in these suits, and I was just like, "That's awesome. That's keeping it weird and in every way, shape, or form." Uh, that's great. Are you working on any projects outside of Sleepy Hollow right now? No, I'm. I'm not right now. I'm well, uh, not in the industry. I'm working on teaching myself how to garden in my backyard. Oh, oh I tell. love that. I love gardening. <laughs> do you? Yes, I grow Why herbs. Why didn't you tell me it was so hard? Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Because you have to pay attention to like different herbs. Oh, are you doing vegetables or herbs? I'm going to start with vegetables soon. Okay. Right now, I've just been doing decorative because things. Because you have to fine. do like, you have to plant them at a certain mm -hmm. time and certain. So I have a black thumb, right? Uh -huh. You know, my mother, my grandmother, they're the gardeners and I can barely keep an ivy alive. <laughs> Which is the easiest thing. So yeah. I was like, well, let me just try and grow some basil, some rosemary. But I mean, it's really therapeutic. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's so it's satisfying to do something that is so like at the end of the day, it's like I did that. That yeah, I can see it. Yeah, you know, worked. Try so um, like Great. bell peppers. Those are really, <clears throat> those are really easy. To cool. Do. Yeah. I do that bell peppers. Yeah, I always look to that because, like, I'm from a southern household. My family's from Alabama, and, like, the things that you grow up to do is, like, cooking and then growing things in the dirt. And I very much um, objected to the growing things in the dirt thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it's very much indoctrinated in you. Like, that's what old southern women do is they, they bake and, and grow things in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, like, never to do this really great gardener as well. I, I kind of remember when they were younger. I mean, like I say, I'm from Toronto. She's from the Caribbean, from Tobago. <coughs> and um, now she lives in the Yukon in Canada. Coldest place. <laughs> I don't know. She's crazy. <laughs> she owns the Caribbean restaurant up there, though. So oh, really? Oh, yeah. She's right. going over to her house, and in the summer, it's just flourishing with all of this. Why didn't you teach me anything? <laughs> <laughs> so what's a nerdy or a geeky trait about you that When I was younger, um, even though people used to call me a nerd all the time because I was reading, you know, I would stay inside and read and I would never go out. 
he makes them with like you know peanut butter and all that kind of stuff. But um, my mom actually yeah, this is TMI, but anyway, I've started the story, so I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mom was dating this man before she came into the picture, um, who was preferable. <laughs> Hope he's not listening to this. But uh, <laughs> he was a huge genre fan, and it made me like not want to watch anything. Like he'd be watching Star Trek. And then when they broke up, I started to realize, oh my gosh, I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> like, but I think the first thing that sort of got me into like the world of speculative fiction and genre was Octavia Butler. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And um, you know, there's a graphic novel on Kindred that's out now. Oh really? Yeah, like a comic book graphic novel. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to look for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've only read the Ivy and I've read, you know, Parable of the Seller and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um. So I loved her from then. I, I moved on to, I really liked horror, so I think it was 30 Days of Night, with mm -hmm. like a huge Nihilism mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff that got me into it. But now, what am I reading? Um, saga. Yeah! <laughs> 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 Let's not talk too much about this. No, 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 no. I'm like, no, I need to catch up. Saga's one of those books where you just find yourself throwing the book at the wall. Oh, <laughs> oh. It has so many emotions. It's so beautifully so beautiful. Oh, the world it. building is everything. The world building is everything. Is the story really low? Is the last time you read that book? No. Oh. And it's oh, it's amazing. About this like um just uh optimist I just started reading the Sandman series because I've never okay. read it before. So I just, yeah, that up. Neil, the yeah. Sandman. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It really does. Um, because, and I feel like everything that he's done is being adapted from stuff. At least the Great Sad American Gods. Right. And I'm just like, I'm just, everything that he touches, I'm just like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and I think they, they serve themselves better on television shows. Like, I feel like his worlds are too big to put in just these films like they want to because I feel like he's read so much. Um, but you mentioned horror, so I'm guessing, have you seen Get Out then? <laughs> Let's oh talk about God. it. <laughs> okay. The best movie ever. I was just like, and I saw it in a theater full of mostly black people. Oh, uh, all, better, all types though, but we we'll have to watch it and in that just, Oh, it was the best. The commentary. Oh, yeah. the commentary. Which can really frustrate me sometimes when yes, I shut it. the hell up and trying to watch it. <laughs> but in this one, it was perfect. Like, yeah. It was kind of part of the, that's kind of mm -hmm. part of it from what, uh, from what I understand basically seeing it, I've had a couple of friends say when they saw it in a reverse or in not the right, mm -hmm. I feel like the white folks didn't feel like they could laugh. And it's what she said. <laughs> she was just like, she wanted to turn to me like, no, this shit's funny. Like, y'all need to understand. This is I can imagine being yeah. white watching it and kind of just like, ah. Uh, yeah. Like, but she said that if you, and she's seen it twice, she's a film critic too, so she said she's seen it twice, and the second time she saw it, and you're in Atlanta, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, so like, that's the way you want to see it, mm -hmm. like, which is folks. Where the person next to you was like, don't go in there! <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you want to see that movie, and I love that uh, he created that, um, Jamie just talked to him on the podcast too, and I just, yeah. I love oh, yeah. where we're going. Check out our last episode, it's the Get Out episode with Jordan Peele, and uh, we also have a round table discussion about the movie. I listened to that. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even love, I mean, also being mixed 
great. I just um, I really really love Sandy. Yeah. And yeah. Michael C. Like I think they they just fit the show so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more social commentary horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've done it in such a way that um, it's just so entertaining. Like, you know, I think that you also want to appreciate that he's just like a brilliant filmmaker. Like, yes, there's social commentary, but it's also just a really fun movie. Like, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I, I don't think anything's too on the nose. I don't think anything's too preachy. Like, it was done in such a clever way that it really, that's difficult to do. Yeah. yeah. It's so clever that it kind of takes a second viewing mm-hmm. to even I'd love to see it again. I've I've read like you know theories online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of wish I had seen it again before I did that because I thought like, oh gosh, I don't know if I would have seen that. Um, anyway, yeah. 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 Anything that can like garner that many pages and that many people writing about it is great. And then mm-hmm. I have to ask you as an actress because I do feel, you know, having this moment right now where there are different voices being heard. Do you feel it anything from maybe you seeking work? Do you see a difference now? And because I know I know before like casting calls would always favorite the person on the casting call. And maybe now they're trying to do more blind stuff. Have you felt that on the inside looking looking in at it? Um you know I gotta be honest, I have mostly always gone up for open Okay. Um and I think that might be because I didn't start acting ago, like, um, you know, eight years ago, that's kind of a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, um, and that might be because uh, in Canada, when I started auditioning, um, I think people learned pretty quickly that I wasn't going to bring what they thought a black person should bring, mm-hmm. and so maybe they just stopped bringing me out for those roles, because I was disappointing. <laughs> in the best way disappointing <laughs> yeah, you know so um, I really love where we're at right now I think now I'm actually getting more roles that are specifically African American which is funny because I'm Lionel Simpson um, and Canadian, Caribbean Canadian but um, she, I, I, I like that now we're getting these roles that are specifically black and they're more diverse in a way, like you know, like that's. I think that's even nicer than being just called out for open casting. It's like you know, yes. you specifically have this strong black female character, and they're moving you out for that. So, I think it's pretty good. You know, I think we're we're moving into a place that's um, really exciting. There's a lot of opportunities, and I think it's really important too that you your role on Sleepy Hollow is present because you don't get to see many black women in you know genre television shows mm-hmm. like. Sleepy Hollow. So, how important do you think it is to, you know, for us to see ourselves reflected in genre fiction TV, and just to see roles that are just different than these sort of closed-minded roles that we kind of see? I think it's everything. You know, I mean, especially considering how many people of color love genre, mm-hmm. and it just seems so funny that it's taken so long for that to sort of be recognized as like these, like we're watching this stuff, like we should be in it, and it's. Sh- um, all I can say is like how I feel when I see you know things like Key and Peele. Um, when I feel included in the conversation, it just gives me so much confidence in life, and I just hope that everybody gets to feel that way. You know, young girls get to feel that way. Like, um, you know, when you guys, I was listening to your podcast about Blurred, 
Oh, that was our very first was podcast first episode. It was. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point in my life, I would have said that turned into vice president. I don't, I don't see me doing it, you know. But on the other hand, it's just, it allows you, someone who feels like they have been excluded, to feel like now they're included. They have a place to be accepted and to be enthusiastic. And that's what being a nerd is about, being unabashedly enthusiastic about things that you like. And now you can do that. And it's cool, and it's good that you point that out too, because I, I do I've heard that from folks, you know, like why does it have to be this? And it's like it's it, it is not to say that we have contributors that are men that are of different races that are, you know, uh, most of the people that read our site are actually what are men, yeah, are <laughs> men. So it isn't that we're not saying hey you keep out. We're just trying to show hey this is our little small corner of nerddom, mm-hmm. and if you want to come take a peek at what we're thinking, speaking, seeing about, That's here we are. What art is really about is you know sharing your experience and my experience is different than yours and let's let's enjoy it all you know. Yeah. So I got like five quick social media questions because we're we're big obviously on Twitter and everything else. Mm-hmm. So um, this is just like a little rapid fire okay. social media quiz okay. and yeah, kind of bit off Julie's mouth, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which app do you use the most? Which what? Which app do you app. use the most? Social oh. media, Facebook, Twitter. Social media wise, guys, you're gonna be so disappointed in me. <laughs> I find social media actually uh, stresses me out. Oh. I'm, I'm a person who like loves turning off my phone and going and being with school students. Oh. So oh, I'm wow. not a huge disconnect. Like it is. That's healthy. I just need it. That's just what. That's just you know who I am. But I think. Um, uh, Instagram actually is probably Instagram? Yeah, okay. the easiest yeah. thing for me. All right, well, going on to that one. What was the last picture that you took that wasn't a selfie? Um, <laughs> I don't check everything, but no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> last night it was probably my dog. Oh, your dog? Okay. I mean, I can't really remember, but I, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I'm just saying I'm tired. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm curious, but yeah, it's probably my dog. Um, who would you most fangirl out if they followed you back? <laughs> Maybe yeah. Naomi Harris. Huh? Oh, Naomi. Naomi, yeah. Naomi Harris. <laughs> that, 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 is, uh, that is definitely a good one. Um, who, who would you like, well, I think everyone, this, this question was a lot more relevant before recent, but who would you like to mute always? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have the answer now. POTUS. <laughs> oh. Sorry, y'all yeah. like that too, but it's my 
laughing. I've heard that before. I have some Star Wars purist friends that um, it's really funny. Um, they were talking about it. It's like, look, I feel like the original series is sort of like you just have to be birthed through it to get to the rest of it, but <laughs> there's no reason to be excited about it. There's like maybe five episodes in that, and the rest of it is just really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and any Star Trek fan, and I am a Trekkie person, will have to admit that if they don't, they're lying to y'all. <laughs> Well, it's 10 minutes till, so we're going to take this time to open it up to you guys yes. for questions. Yes. Um, and we do have a mic going around, so if you have any questions for Lindy or for us, yeah, just raise your hand. And we don't be shy. I know one everybody raise their hand at once. <laughs> don't, even. don't be shy, y'all. There we go. <laughs> the brave soul. Yeah, yeah. Hi, um, my name is Hotel out of Baltimore, so I'm looking forward to welcoming you guys to Baltimore from Florida. Yes. And so considering you're here at South by and there's a number of films um, and uh, increased representation of diversity, do you see a BGM documentary or movie on the horizon? Ooh. Um, filmmakers that are listening in and or um, in the audience, holla at your girl. Holla at your girl. <laughs> Where yeah, Jacqueline the producer. <laughs> I, I do want to just give props real quick to Jacqueline, who's from the area that just mapped out our schedule for South By, helped us get on all those red carpets, and she, she really puts a lot of work into getting this together for our event here at South By. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, that would be amazing. There's a book on the way that's going to be released next year. Uh, so if there's some adaptation from the book happening, it's it's a possibility. And, and a lot of what will be reflected in the Black Owners book is the work that I've been doing with the website and uh, traveling to the different cons and podcasts. So it's very much a reflection of, of the Black Owners community. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that'd be nice. And to, yeah, and to add to that too, we have contributors all over the United States. Yeah. Like to where like I've worked with these folks for years now, and I've met a lot of them now at cons. But for some of them, I would work with them for a year before I ever met them. But you still feel like you have a sister or a friend in a different, you know, state, or even you know some of these in different countries. For Lauren, that's up in Canada. I mean, because we did TIFF as well. Um, we did coverage up there, and so. It's, it's amazing, um, and I feel like this is one of the few websites where we can do that because um, we'll have people come up to us, they're like, well, where are y'all based? And I really just say all over, and they like look yeah. at me, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's all over, like because we have kind of key people in every area, which Who is nice. Who do you nice. have in Atlanta? Um, that's Kayla. Kayla is in Atlanta, yeah. Mm. She's our Atlanta correspondent. Yeah, and then we have New York, we've got, you know, New other York, people. LA, yeah, Philly, yeah. and yeah, home office is Any other questions? Oh, yeah. Go right ahead. Hi, my name is Natalie Cole from with Candy Lab. Hi. Oh, I like Hi. that name. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. First, I want to say thank you guys because I actually found you guys on Twitter, and I was I love the flash, so I have to actually write that because you guys are really mean on my boy Barry. Barry got problems. I need to hear your opinion about that. But I do want to start by saying I really appreciate what you guys are doing because um, because I mean I'm a huge like. I'm a black girl nerd. 
And so I was like, I was literally on Twitter trying to find out who's talking about the flash so I can share my, I want to talk about this. And I found you guys. So I think that's awesome because like, you guys are basically letting people know that it's okay to be like, be into this stuff and like be unabashedly just like out there and like love it. Um, but yes, I do want to ask you, why are you so hard on my boy Barry Allen? <laughs> <laughs> I love him. It all comes from love, but I like Jamie Pinkett. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? I actually have not been tweeting from the account for The Flash yet. I'm actually behind on that. So I have to track down who's live-tweeting The Flash to give you that answer. Well, I can tell you at least this. Well, Black Girl Geeks does do it, and so they, they yeah. still do The Flash. And yeah. it's the Iris and Barry storyline where it is right now. Are you really happy with it? Because let me just say, see, it is a mess. Look, the girl behind it is a mess. It's a mess. Because she knows. And so, look, I first of all, I really do love Grant Gustin, though. I feel like he has yeah. a great portrayal. Um, I, I, I think that was just great casting because... I heard later that, you know, they could have gone with just another blonde guy, you know, archetype, you know what I mean? And I feel like he brings a little bit more to it with his complexity. Um, and I really like him and Iris when they get it together. They just don't always get it together. <laughs> and the thing is, when it comes down to it, it's, it's the writing. Yeah. It's the writing. It's not, it's not Grant Gustin's yeah. fault. It's not Barry's fault. It's just yeah. how they're writing those two characters together and the semi-hot yeah, quasi hot mess that it is. But love Joe, love what they're doing with Wally. It's yeah. just the I mean, I still love the show, still watch yeah. it. I mean, yeah. I'm going to continue it because I love, I love, I love the CW. Yeah. I love yeah. One of the reasons Twitter stresses me out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not this specifically, but people being like, "What are you doing?" It's like, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm just saying the words, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm just, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> such strong opinions, but it's yeah. interesting when it sometimes turns into a bit of a bullying mm -hmm. thing, yeah. and you're yeah. like, oh, this is misdirected anger, like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think that's the key, though, too, is that we don't go on there saying, hey, Grant Gustin. It's yeah. not that. Yeah. yeah. Like, now, when people start directly going at people, then yeah. no, but... There's a healthy way to do it, yeah. and then there's, yeah. But, um, I, I will say this, um, we still have a show with, like, three black leads and a genre television show, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. so there's a lot to be thankful for The Flash, and they've created this whole universe now that we get to play in, so that's great. And I'll track down who that is that's tweeting yeah. some craziness about Barry. Because <laughs> <laughs> the show's still Take good. Take it down a notch. Yeah. It's still good. Um, hi, my name is Jamia. Um, I write for Geeks of Color. Oh, yes. oh I love Dory. Color, shout out. Hey, girl. Something else. Um, but I was inspired to actually, like, even try to do that because of you guys. Um, and so my question is for Lindy. I am a huge Sleepy Hollow fan. And, oh. like, you got to um, be in that show with Nikki Zahari, and she's so phenomenal. So if you could be in any kind of project with any actor or actress, um, like, who would it be? I personally would love to do more comedy. Um, I've always wanted to do comedy. I mean, I think I heard this one. I guess I'm not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh gosh, I mean, all I can think of is Donna Glover right now. Um, yeah. Yes. That would just be a dream. Um, I mean, Key and Peele, at yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, probably that's where I'm at right now, something like that. And I love dark comedy, so... 
So we got to be very fitting if we could afford our comedy with Donald Cutter and King Peel. <laughs> <laughs> he's got six brilliant. more apparently coming. Like yeah. he's got like a whole Six bunch. more? I think he said something like he's going to do an entire series on satirical <laughs> horror comedy. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Thanks for watching. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chevy Kamalapi. I'm here from Austin. So, um, so I loved, I loved uh, uh, Get Out. I loved uh, Blackish and um, shows like that. So I guess with all these different narratives that are now coming out to the forefront of Black people and actually representing us in, as something more than just, you know, the stereotypical uh, type roles. I'm wondering, are, do you guys feel that there are any stories that have yet to be portrayed of African Americans or even Africans? I mean, I feel like Africans are, like I'm, I'm Nigerian and I feel like we're underserved in, in America as a whole. Um, so do you guys feel like there's any you know, additional stories out there about people of color, African, African Americans, people from the Caribbeans, black people from Canada that aren't really being told. Yeah, I think you hit on it right there. Um, I don't know if you guys know about this. It's um, The Wedding Party. It was a film that came out of Nollywood last year. It's the highest grossing um, Nigerian made uh, film. And not a lot of people know about it. And I think um, there is a very big narrative of both first and second generational African and Caribbean immigrants that has not been portrayed in, I would say, even black media or even you know mainstream media. Because I have that from a lot of my friends who are, especially my second generation friends, they say that there's a lot of similarities between them and maybe some Indian second generation folks because there is a certain community and environment, environment aspect. And I don't think we do it as much in the African community. Like they always tell that story with an Asian immigrant or a Middle Asian immigrant, but we haven't told that story with African American or with African or Caribbean um, immigrants. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's a big one. Um, Evelyn from the internet talks about it a lot on her YouTube channel because um, she's also a uh, Nigerian immigrant as well. I'm so. glad you asked that. I totally agree. I think all the time that there's such a we have so much further to go with that one. Yeah. There's a great uh, Tumblr account called Medieval People of Color. I would love to see stories that just come out of that account. Like yeah. I'm always learning something new and you know, like a black version of Downton Abbey or something. Like I would love to see those kind of stories come into the fold because there's plenty of them and that narrative is there. And for some reason we have yet to see those stories. Anytime there's a historical piece about black people, it's gotta fall into the slavery narrative and that's not uh, representative of the black experience. So I would like to see those kind of stories come out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fantasy person. Um, so I've always been interested in seeing stories about like African gods and goddesses. And I was recently in Cuba last month and really got a taste of like the Afro-Cubana culture and how strong it is in Cuba. And um, we're gonna get a little bit of that in American Gods because of some of the like the gods and the goddesses that are represented in that show. But I think, you know, we hear so much about Athena and Aphrodite and Zeus and all and, and, the, Greek ones. and the Greek ones and then we get a little of the Egyptian and, you know, that but I just think to kind of, you know, go 
deeper into, you know, the Orishas and just other aspects of the African diaspora and the culture and the gods and the goddesses, their mythologies, I would like to see that. And like I said, if you watch American Gods, you are going to get a taste of that, but I just, I would like to see kind of more stories um, geared towards that, just because we get so much of the Greek and the Roman and all that. And I studied classic, one of my, um, I majored in classics in college, so I got a lot okay. of that information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, you know, great stuff, but I just would have liked to see more of that. We're out of time. We are out of time. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you coming to our show. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Lindy, for being our guest. You're awesome. All right. You guys have a great South Park. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Brodnax, MR Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.